plenty of troops with him. And there were thousands of them. I'm no army commander, but I suspect that there is a level of comfort by having a decent number of troops in your army. But wait, you have too many men. I don't know about you, I would not have been entertained by that phrase. Um, I think if you were going to go into war, to have a decent support network behind you, and yet God kind of strips away some of those things that perhaps Gideon was relying on. We don't see any dialogue, and we're not told about any dialogue between Gideon and God at that point, which in itself I think is fairly astounding. If I'd been Gideon, I definitely would have had something to say about it, but never mind, it's a good thing that it was him and not me. But what we see at that point is that when God says something, it happens, and we follow it through. So at this point, the army has gone from over 30,000 troops to just 10. And why is that important? Gideon and those with him, everyone who's aware of what he's going to go on, knows it's not about the number of people fighting that battle. The winning of that battle is completely down to God. God shows that he wants it to be only attributable to him. It couldn't be done by human might. So he whittles down the numbers until it's ridiculous by human levels. And even in that stripping away, even in that whittling down, it was down to God. It was his criteria, not Gideon's. He didn't say to Gideon, okay, I want you to get rid of two-thirds of those men. You go off and make that decision. I love the, the mercy that we see there, that that horrible task wasn't being put on Gideon, even if he did have the equally challenging task of going to battle without the numbers. And God is so merciful to the people who he sort of strips away. That, that criteria of those who are scared get to go home. I just think it's really lovely that kind of we see the, the care that God has in this. But sometimes we do see things, and we see them in this story, that by human standards are really quite odd. You want to go into battle, you want enough, as many as possible people. But if God is in it, then all will be well. So they're about to step into battle with 10,000 instead of the 30,000. Nope, there are still too many the troops are thinned out yet again in a slightly confusing manner because when I've, I, a number of us might remember the story of Gideon from Sunday school. It's one of those stories that gets used quite a lot. And I can remember thinking about the, um, the people who were sort of lapping the water versus the people who were drinking it in some other way. It was only as I was preparing for this that I realised that it wasn't the way that I thought it was. I assumed the ones kneeling down were doing the lapping straight from the water. But apparently, that was the ones, they were the ones who were picking it up with their hands. I digress. It's also quite hard to lap water like a dog. I know this because as a small child, I tried and failed. <laughs> so how the others, I don't know, did they just stick their heads in the river? Anyway. 
We don't need to go any further down that rabbit hole. But yet again, it's God doing the thinning out by his own, slightly strange, by human categories, his criteria. It's all down to God as to who is going to go into battle. And God leaves Gideon with 300 men. And we hear in verse 7 that that's all that's needed. So 300 men plus something else. And I'm not talking about God. God is a given in this situation. I think that something else is a lot of obedience on Gideon's part. We've seen it in the way that he reacts to the thinning out of the army. He doesn't argue or he doesn't even reason or discuss with God of what do you think you're doing? Why are you taking these people away? We need them. He goes along with it, working with God rather than sort of pushing against him. And I think we can see from what happens that Gideon stays close to God. He must have been constantly listening for what God had to say to him next because he hears him during the night in verse 9. And at that point, it's more of God's mercy and his love and his care in that we hear how Gideon's told to go and do something. But actually, if you're not, if you're not confident, then go down and listen and see what you hear. And by that, he was given such encouragement and reassurance. Because he goes and he hears about this dream and the interpretation that the person who had the dream, his friend, had. Sometimes we're in a situation where we will hear something or encounter something that really just speaks to our inner being, knowing that God is in a situation. And I think that was one of those situations. God has told Gideon, go and listen and you'll be encouraged. Um, Again, when I was... Well, this was even earlier. It was before I'd got to theological college, before I'd jumped through those number of hoops that I needed to jump through. And it was very early days, and I felt like God had told me to kind of walk this route of going and being ordained. And I tentatively shared something with a friend about this. And she, she did not, as far as she, I had not told her, I had not told anybody who could have told her. And I sat there and told her, and she looked at me and just went, I know. And it wasn't a, oh, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, whatever. It wasn't that kind of, oh, I know, I've heard it all before, somebody else said this. It was a, yeah, God's told me that. And the affirmation to keep going in that journey that I got from God already telling her what he told me was something quite special that, however many years later, I can still remember. God is preparing people's hearts in this situation. He's encouraging Gideon to tell him what's going to happen in a roundabout way, that they are going to win that battle. He's even preparing the hearts of the people who are going to be defeated by that dream. And as a consequence, Gideon knew what was going to happen. He hadn't, he hadn't stepped out into taking the troops with him to that battle yet. And yet he knew 
that it was going to be okay. Get up and follow, we hear in verse 15. So Gideon has this renewed confidence. He knows what's going to happen because everything has come together. Confidence from God, and as much as I suspect you can have peace about what's going to happen because he has been told from God. And so they go into battle, and Gideon is clear to the troops as to why they are doing this. First and foremost, for the Lord. They're not doing this just because for fun. God has got them there, and it's for him. And so they follow what Gideon tells them to do. And then they stand firm. They followed, and then they stood. And at that point, God works around them. The people that they're trying to um, defeat kind of turn on each other. Gideon's men didn't even have to fight. They just had to go and do what they were told. Ultimately, trusting God in this whole scenario led to the battle being won God's way, the right way. So what can we take out of this today? I would hope that none of us are going to be sort of rounding up people and going into battle with flaming torches. And... But we can see that calling is so important. Whether that's a generic calling that we have to be in relationship with God, to love and follow God, or whether there is a more specific calling. And many of you will have that more specific calling on your lives, whether now or in the future. For a couple of us here, we have these bits of plastic, and for now, that's what we've been called to do. I didn't always have this. There have been other things that I've been called to do. But calling can be foundational of who we are and what we do. And we need to keep in mind those promises that have been held with that calling. If God calls us to do something, he's going to equip us to do it. And that confidence to step into the calling, even when it's really hard, it brings challenges and difficulties. And so for Gideon, that calling and that promise led to a level of obedience which can look unusual by human standards. And I think that often goes with the calling that we experience. One of the strange things that I encountered when I first um, felt like God was calling me to ordain ministry was the tension between what I as a human being wanted to do, which was run for the hills, and what I felt God was calling me to do. And so by human standards, there was a massive tension there. It wasn't how I'd seen my life planning out. And yet I wanted to do what God wanted me to do, which meant that I did want to do it, even though the human bit of me didn't necessarily want to do that. That stepping into obedience of what God wants us to do. 
But all of us need to be obedient to God, whether it's the little things of plodding along through daily life and there are multiple decisions that we make every day, some which are going to bring us nearer to God and some that are going to take us further away from him. Or perhaps those bigger questions of what do we do with the rest of our lives? What does obedience look like then? And that obedience can lead to confidence in God when what God says comes to fruition. There's an encouragement in that. There's an ability that you can look back and see where prayers have been answered or where God has said, this is going to happen and it does. And so next time it might be slightly easier. I say might, I think that's the human bit kicking in, that sometimes we have very short memories. It might be easier to look back and see where God has been faithful and we have followed and we can hang on to that. That fact that we can step out again. The fact that God is not calling people who've got it all sewn up already. A quote that I was given, I don't know where it originated from, but God equips the called He doesn't call the equipped. We don't have to be fixed. We don't have to be sorted. There are things that I can do that I do as part of my vocation now that I would never have wanted to do. The first time I stood and gave a talk, I got home from that and said, I'm never doing it again. And only a few weeks later, my housemate at the time laughed because I told him that I'd felt like God was telling me I needed to preach at church. That's another story. But it also links with the fact that we need to listen to God to enable this to happen. That if we keep close to God, we can hear even when he's whispering quietly. But if we're not listening, how will we know what we're being told to do or what we're being called to do? That courage in God and confidence from God that builds when we step out that knowledge of God's character and heart that gives us that courage, that, import, that confidence and that encouragement that it's a bit of a circle, that we step out knowing, that, hoping really at the beginning that God will sustain us. And then we find that he does and he leads us and he speaks to us and we keep going round. And in all of this, why was Gideon doing what he did? to put God first, to identify God in his rightful place as coming before all of us. Worshipping God elevates him to the place where he should be. Worship also fuels us to serve. And again, we have that cycle. Gideon going to war was all down to God. The result was all down to God. Obedience is key. And knowing why we're doing what we're doing. Putting God first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of Gideon. Thank you for the way that you called him. Thank you for the way that you equipped him. That you um, were merciful in the way that you related to him and to those around him. 
So Lord, we ask that you would show us what you're calling us to do. That you would help us to be obedient to that call and that you would remind us and show us that you equip the called rather than expecting us to be fully formed before we come to you. So Lord, as we do life, as we go about our weeks, would you help us to remember to keep listening? Would you help us as we communicate with those around us? Would you help us to be faithful to you in showing your light and your love to those around us? And we lift up to you, your world, the places especially that are so desperate for more of your light. The places where there is unrest and war, where there's famine, where there's climate issues that are affecting people on the ground day in and day out. Lord, we ask that you would bring your healing peace, that you would bring your renewing power to those places and to all who work tirelessly to show your light and your love. And Lord, we think about those organisations who do that closer to home, asking that you would equip and provide for organisations like the Well and Jubilee Storehouse as they serve people in our town and in our area. And we think of the church communities as we gather to worship, as we gather to serve in this place and in the wider, wider areas and in the wider world asking that we would be a church, a group of Christians coming to worship you, to be fueled to go out to serve. That we would be obedient in the calling that you have put on our lives, individually and corporately. And that all of this would be done in and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>